So top eight v top eight, it's 18 wins, 18 losses. Yes, it is 4pm on a Monday, and that means just one thing, the masses are switching over from SEN to SYN and tuning in to the Footy Dictionary. Thanks for being with us. Hello and welcome. I am Harper Pessinger, and this, of course, is the Footy Dictionary. If you love getting into the niche, nitty-gritty details of Australian rules football, you are absolutely in the right place. And joining me today, as ever, is a man who takes no prisoners. I think it's fair to say, when it comes to upholding football linguistic law. Hamish O'Brien, how you going, mate? Yeah, good. You're spot on. There's there's no prisoners to be taken here. Um, it's very good to be back this week and uh, hope you're doing well over in Denmark. Another week down? <laughs> oh, yes, mate. I'm doing very, very well. All the better for having you on the show. But it's a bit concerning. Where, where's Connor this week, mate? He's not with us. I, well, the rumours going around... Uh, there's a couple of them. I'm not sure. I can't say I've heard from him. Uh, the first rumor was he's over in Guatemala. Um, <laughs> apparently he's grieving over there. They shut down the uh, the local tabloid El Periodico this week. Oh, so no. um, perhaps he's over there investigating that. Or the other rumor was that he's down at um, Bowery Vogel in Hobart um, investigating the Jason Horn Francis booing saga and. Mm. Perhaps personally following up on that one. So uh, the jury's out, but hopefully we get some answers next week. <laughs> hopefully some answers next week. Hopefully he's back. Maybe he's meeting up with Donga Dixon in Guatemala. But uh, on the show today, Hamish, you've got something very, very special at the end, which I'm looking forward to massively. <laughs> and we've also got our, our best 22s with members of the Animal Kingdom. Uh, we've got echelons, we've got sunglasses, and, of course, the true definition of a fortress. You can join the conversation on Twitter, uh, at Sin Media, or at Dictionary HQ. We're also on Instagram and TikTok and Reddit. But our first item on the agenda, Hamish, hey, straight off the bat, we heard it at the start, but uh, you've got a clip that you want to play again. Yeah, we, we have to play this again and speak about it. This is perhaps, I'm going to throw this out there, this is perhaps <laughs> the worst clanger we've had on this show in our 12 or 13 episodes we've run it. On perhaps, oh, I don't know about ever, but it's very bloody close to being the worst clanger I've ever heard on media or in the media ever. So please play it again for us. If you look at top eight teams amongst themselves, so top eight v top eight, so they're the games that we're, we're hanging out for, we're craving for Friday night footy again this week. So top eight v top eight, it's 18 wins, 18 losses. So they are the 50-50 games that we've been talking about. Now, even the season, we yeah. can say it like that. Well, it, Do you reckon we have to explain this one? Uh, I hope uh, not. But maybe for the people out there, if Mark Robinson's tuning in, maybe it needs a bit of explanation just very, very quickly, Hamish. Well, I think the thing is with this one that if the, there's two teams playing against each other in the top eight <laughs> and one of them wins, do you know what happens to the other one, Harper? What happens, Hamish? They lose. So in the end, it sort of evens itself out. But, um, it really does. It's it's incredible. It's yeah, it's, in the world, oh, it's unbelievable. Who's worse in this situation, Kingy or Robbo, for jumping on the bandwagon and just well, being amazed by it all? Look, I I think Mark Robinson gets overly bagged, but. I, I think it's pretty expected that he would follow along with this kind of thing. But David King, the confidence which with which he has delivered this, maybe this is worthy of a footy dictionary investigation segment. 
Do you reckon Key puts the stats together himself, or is it like the intern at the, at the back of the room who's doing this for him and he just made the stuff up? I reckon it's a 50-50 split. Like, I reckon he'd be getting fed stats and then he'd come up with some himself. And I'd like to think that for the sake of Fox footy, he's come up with this one himself. Um, but yeah. it's just I can't believe that he's got it and he's seen it and thought about it and then ran with it. He's, like, he obviously had a... He's had a lot of time to think about it before deciding to put it out there in the footy world. Mm. Um, it's and like, it's you shocking. go through the eighteen games that takes a few minutes. Like it's so strange. It is. It's baffling. Uh, it's yeah. it's a good way to start the show. Put it that way. Thanks, <laughs> it is King. a good way to show and a good way to move it on. Is this from my uh, Collingwood versus GWS? We're getting into the the match review now. The match review panel is convening. And like I said, this is from Collingwood versus GWS. This is uh, Dwayne Russell describing Mason Cox having a shot at goal. Wow. That's a courageous mark. Great mark. Just got to go back and finish it. That is like corrective eyewear that he's wearing, but his future's so bright. Maybe he should be wearing shades. Missed it. <laughs> now, Hamish, do you know how old Mason Cox is? Uh, I do. Dwayne has done it again. 32, <laughs> 32 years old, Dwayne. He's 32 years 32 old. 32 years old. in March. <laughs> I think he's long past the limit for bright future. It's, it's just incredible how the world works, the fact that we, we went so in-depth on Dwayne Russell's commentary last week and then we <laughs> took apart Mason Cox's segment on 60 Minutes America and then they've just produced <laughs> yes. this epic, epic merger of Collisions two of forces. Oh, and um, it's well, Mason's probably can't do too much about this Dwayne Russell call, but geez, it's um, how many years past the the future, the bright future term? Do you reckon he's gone? Oh, well, part part of me, like maybe this isn't directly answering a question. I, I apologise for that, but is it purely on field that Dwayne Russell's talking about? Because Mason Cox is forging out quite a a well backed well-liked media career for himself. Is that part of the bright future that Dwayne Russell refers to or am I defending the indefensible? I think, yeah, I think you're reading too much into it because I, 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 get, I get what you're saying. <clears throat> In terms of average lifespan, he's, he's only hopefully <laughs> a bit over a quarter of the way through or a third of the way through, so um, he's still got quite the future ahead of him and perhaps mm. you And who, right who knows these well, days with the, with the health care and everything we've got? He, he could, he could oh, to be in his hundreds easily. Oh, he's exactly, a healthy exactly man. Right. He's very fit. Yeah, but um, although didn't the tallest man in the world die shockingly young at <laughs> perhaps 32? Can we look that up quickly? Mr. Robert Wadlow, I believe that is correct. So, yeah, died in his 20s. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, there you go. So maybe things aren't looking uh, up. For him, uh, we <laughs> pull that up, pull that up. That is disgusting. But um, no, I can't give Dwayne the benefit of the doubt on this. It's it's terrible. Okay, uh, we've worked worked out that it is terrible, and <laughs> we knew that off the bat. I was trying to defend it, but I agree with you. It's it's a shocker. Um, not as baggy as Kenny's, but a shocker. But a, a question: I said last week that we can't call Mason Cox a talent. He's not an example of a talent. And he also, it also doesn't have a bright future. But if we're going to combine those two concepts, Hamish, do, do all talents have a bright future? And do all do all players with bright futures are they all talents? That's that's a riddle. 
Oh, <laughs> <hang on. laughs> my brain's too slow to process this one. Um, definitely, they've all got they've all got bright futures. The talents, I think, perhaps. Except we were talking about McDonald, Tip, and Woody as an argument last week. And how old's how old's he now? Um, McDonald, Tip, and Woody, twenty nine. I'll say maybe thirty. Around that, he's pushing it uh, in terms he's of AFL that. career. So. And he was called a talent, but we were we were very much questioning that. Um, but he he's one that wouldn't have a bright future. So it's well, certainly yeah. debatable. It, it it is certainly a battle, and I think talents um, there it, it's a bit more specific for me. Bright future can be, you can cast in that pretty wide, but then still have it pretty accurate. Um, uh, I think you can be any kind of emerging player, like a, a young, <laughs> young, young star. But not all emerging players are, are talents. I, I would say, like Sam Draper, <clears throat> definitely is. But it's someone who's a bit less flamboyant, someone who doesn't have the kind of flair and um, enigmatic na- nature to him. I wouldn't necessarily say they're talent. We're, we're double dipping into, <laughs> triple dipping, quadruple dipping even into <laughs> things we've said in previous weeks. And I do encourage people to check out the back catalog of the Footy Dictionary on their favourite podcast app. But um, yeah, I, I, I do think talent's a bit more specific. Would you agree? Mm, I agree. I think to put an age limit on it, I'd say for to consider yourself to have a bright future, you have to be, I'm going to say 24 or under or perhaps 25 or under. That's yes. but on one condition. You have to have been drafted at 18 or 19 or whatever age you get drafted at in your first. Can't be a mature age with a bright period. future. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Uh, I was just going to say perhaps if you're a, keep saying perhaps, um, if you're Tim Kelly and he's drafted as a mature age, I think you could argue that, um, I don't know how old he was when he got drafted, maybe 21, 22, but um, someone of that ilk could be considered to have a bright future despite being older than one that would usually be considered for those parameters. Maybe we should move it on to something that I'm really, really looking forward to here on the Footy Dictionary on Sin. Of course, Hamish, midfield balls are referred to all the time. So it got us wondering, the, the dictionary boys, it got us wondering, what uh, members of the animal kingdom would make up the best 22? So we, we've got a bench. We've got no subs because uh, we're, we're all traditional. Oh, a bench and you'll, 18. You will find a bit at my sub later. <laughs> okay. So Hamish has got his 23 <laughs> by the sounds of it. I've got a 22. And we'll see how it goes. Maybe we'll, we'll maybe we'll match it up. So maybe I can do my back line, you do mm. your forward line, and we'll see how they uh, compare against each other. That sound good to you? I like it. I like it. This is this is groundbreaking. I'm not sure <laughs> this, this has been done before. Groundbreaking stuff. It's never been done before. And you can join the conversation on Twitter or Reddit. We're at Dictionary HQ or even Instagram, TikTok. You can get in touch with us there. We'd really appreciate you letting us know what you think of this segment, the whole show. It'd be great, but. Hamish, do you want to kick things off with – you start with whatever you like. How about your back line? Oh, well, the natural thing to start with is from the full back line. Um, yes. In my back pocket, playing playing as a bit of an intercepting third tool, I've got the wedge-tailed eagle, um, yep. known for its speeds, um, and obviously it can fly. So um, any high balls coming into the forward line, it's going to be picked off straight away. 
Um, at fullback, I've got the gorilla, um, pure strength, oh. like Mark Pitnett, um, and obviously a fan favourite too. Um, I'll have Harambe starting. We all know. <laughs> we all know how much uh, worldwide love he has. So perhaps he can mm. spread the game overseas. Um, and obviously, yep. just a very, very strong fullback. And then in my other back pocket, I've got the uh, Africanized bee. So it's a it's a killer bee. Um, and I've just read that they chase prey up to half a kilometre from their height. So oh, if that's wow. not defensive diligence, I do not know what is. Um, good <laughs> luck, Charlie work, Cameron. Right? <laughs> good luck, Charlie Cameron, trying to get a kick on this bee because um, he won't leave your side. Um, so <laughs> if you can get anything close to that full back line, then blow me away. Well, I I think my forward line, so my, my forward line matching up against my full forward line matching up against your full back oh, line, okay. I think it will stack up very nicely. And, and for my full forward line, much like a uh, a European colonial power, I've looked to Africa here. <laughs> uh, so in the first forward pocket, well, in both forward pockets, actually matching up against your, what was it, the bee and the wedge-tailed eagle? No, but not any yeah. old bee. Uh, the Africanized bee. Okay, yes. Yep. I have gone with two of the same species because they do hunt in packs and yeah. I think their forward pressure would just be absolutely immense. We saw them do very well uh, in examples such as the Lion King uh, of the 1990s. Hyenas. I've got a hyena in each forward pocket and I think crumbing, uh, it would just absolutely be all over your wedge-tailed eagle and uh, your bee, Hamish. Right, um... Well, immediately I have question marks over your best 22. A um, little bit predictable, I think. You've rolled with two of the same animal. I'm not a fan of that. <laughs> but not a fan of that pack animal. I, I haven't – look, uh, uh, it's not out of laziness. It's out of sheer pragmatism and at, right. uh, at full forward. Now, this is really interesting. <laughs> mm. I haven't got as specific as you, but I've also got a gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> – Put it this way, in a close game and there's a 50-50 umpiring call, who are they going to go for? <laughs> well, they're going to go for the fence. I think they're going to go for Harambe, just quietly. Um, but, but I'll have can, you know, you, you might have missed this, but Harambe is no longer alive. So I don't think he'd be he feeling too well against uh, my silverback. He isn't. But <clears throat> let's keep in mind that um, most animals... Can't play football, so this is very much a, a hypothetical, <laughs> I think. So I'm going to stick with Harambe. Um, okay. Should I, yeah, cool. should I move on to my uh, half-back line? Well, I just wanted to mention very briefly that I think okay. out of all my animals, um, Gorilla gives the most journeyman vibes for sure. Um, uh, probably too powerful player to do that, I reckon. Um, perhaps True. the closest, closest looks-wise. Yes, that, that's what I'm thinking. Uh, that's where you're going. <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm. That's where I'm going. But you, you can move on to that's, your halfback line if, if you'd like, Hamish. Well, that's probably pretty offensive to gorillas, I think. <laughs> but we'll move on. Um, my halfback line. I've got the uh, back flank. I've got the. This is a niche one. I've got the Australian master. Obviously, the Australian one, um, hometown hero. Um, but their heads, they can turn their heads 270 degrees. Um, okay. You hear. You hear coaches always banging on about uh, hitting the inside 45 kick. Well, tell you what, the uh, the master, they've got the license to hit the inside 45. There's just no chance that you can get away with anything when he when he, when he's on you. Like he can, 
He could be running towards goal and you could be running back to it, but he'll see it anyway. So um, mm. very versatile. Uh, Centre half back, I've got the polar bear. I mean, hello. <laughs> Obvious reasons. Um, probably hard to get a kick on the on the great bear. And um, on the other half back flank, I've got the uh, electric eel. Okay. Defensively, defensively very sound, um, as in they can kill you um, or at least <laughs> shock you for a fair amount of time. So, you know, if he runs into trouble, he can probably just catch up after you and drop you to the floor. And also very slippery in transition too, so mm. um, provides provides effort both ways, the eel. Well, to, to counter your eel... Um, and the, the electric nature of halfback of your eel. I've, I've got a boa constrictor. Uh, I, I thought a, a shutdown um, defensive role in the forward line would be very important. And we know the uh, boa constrictor is a, well, it's a, it's a suffocating species of snake, isn't it? So it would just completely shut down any influence the, the electric eel would have uh, of halfback, uh, I think. So uh, I, I'm not going, I'm going for goals out of that. But, um, yeah, just, just to neutralise that uh, potential threat. Uh, but at centre-half forward, I have got the biggest of all birds. No, it's, it's not from Sesame Street. It is the ostrich, uh, up to nine feet tall, and I just can't see how – and pacey as well. That's the important thing. I don't mm. think a polar bear can match an ostrich of pace, Hank. Well, we play a zone defence, so it doesn't really matter. The polar bear will drop mm. back into the hole and um, someone else can pick up the slack with the mm. ostrich. Um, e- yeah. Eagle, hello. That's... Yeah, the hole in the ice cap, I think, as yeah. our planet uh, is very quickly melting. Mm. Um, no, I think the eagle can certainly – Pick him up and cover him and probably kill him. So bad luck. <laughs> and on uh, my other half forward flank, we were, I think it was against your owl. Now, I know he can turn his head 270 degrees or whatever you said, but he just would have nothing on a thoroughbred horse, the, the quickest of all horses, uh, equine species. Um just so good, and the, the work rate, just the stamina up and down the ground could even drop back into defence like a like a Kyle Langford type, a real a real swing man. I think would be a very very handy player in my forward line. Well, lucky our team's very fluid because on my centre line I've got, and these these two guys they picked themselves um, due to their prowess. It's so obvious that we got the cheetah, um, obviously. Fastest animal on the planet, I think. Don't quote me on that, but it's fastest land animal, I should say. Yep. Um, he picks himself on a wing, can just run up and back all day. And, you know, if we have trouble in defence, we can move him onto the thoroughbred horse. I mean, he's got him <laughs> covered for pace. And I mean, he's not, maybe not as strong as the horse, but he's certainly got the heart. Um, <laughs> and then move the owl up onto the wing, look for a few of those inside 45s. Um, and then in the middle, I've got the bull. I mean, you've probably got the bull too. It just, it makes sense. I need someone to go and win it, and he'll do that. <clears throat> and on the other wing, I've got the the Springbok, um, okay. also an elite runner. Uh, and my thing with the Springbok is um, possibly in, during the game we need to make a change, and uh, we're we're too heavy on speed, and we need a bit more strength. Then the Springbok can turn into a front rower, and we've got ourselves a rugby player on the wing. So <laughs> works out perfectly. Yeah, um, and on my wings, look, I'm a bit concerned here. I think this might be a bit of a weak point, um, but I've got 
look, I know you called me out for this before, but I've got a gazelle on each uh, wing because I just I think they're um, they, they, well, they work so well in teams, don't they? And they they can just move up and down the savannah like absolutely nothing else. Um, and look, a, a cheetah could hunt them down, but if if I'm if the cheetah's purely focused on the gazelle, I think that's a good thing. Like it's almost um. Like if Nick Dacos is getting tagged, Colin would love that because that um, they're, they're spending a whole man on that or a whole animal. So yeah, I, I'm kind of uh, using up the cheetahs' influence by placing some gazelles for them to hunt. And I do, of course, have the bull in the centre. And moving on to the rucks, I'll, I'll go first this time. In in the ruck position, I know it'd be very easy to have a giraffe, but they're quite. They're quite tame. I feel like they wouldn't be ferocious enough at the ball. So I do have a kangaroo, a red kangaroo, more specifically. Very, very high jumpers and quick as well and strong and powerful out of the middle. Um, I'm not, like I'm picturing Sam Draper's goal against Gold Coast. I think um, a red kangaroo could absolutely do that, be a big boomer. Um, and then uh, I've, I've got a pelican. As well, because I think a kangaroo tapping it down to a pelican, and the pelican putting it in its its mouth is, is it something? Is it called something else? Like you know the big the big flap? Uh, I, it's I beak. Think, I don't know. <laughs> beak. Yes, that that's the word. Um, <laughs> that's that's why we're not the uh, the animal kingdom dictionary. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't think you're getting that off the pelican, and you, you haven't really got a predator in the air as far as I know so far. Um, and then as a rover, I've got a shark, just, yeah, sharking the ball off the ground, taking that one very literally, but I've got a kangaroo, a pelican, and a shark in my ruck line, covering all bases there, air, land, and sea, Hamish. Well, the kangaroo is a fantastic animal, but try winning a ruck tap against a giraffe. Are you foolish, Harper? I know it's the <laughs> obvious choice, but it's the obvious choice for a reason. But, but do they jump? No, they don't have to. I don't think they have to. They're so tall. They can, they can just pluck it out of the ruck every time and just bounce it on their nose or whatever they've got in front of them and just silver service every time. And oh, I can't even remember who I've got. Just give me one sec. Oh, yeah. Giraffe, straight down to the orca. I mean, name a bigger name in football than the killer whale. <laughs> it's, just, it's just undefeatable. It's undefeatable. It's the, the primal animal, I think, of the ocean – I can't see it losing a contest when it comes to grounds and especially working alongside a bull. That is a ferocious midfielder and they make up for it is. all the all the athletic or physical deficiencies of the giraffe at ground level. This it's just it's just undefeatable. Um, and then I've got the cane toad um, as my ruck rover. Uh, you got the two bulls, you don't need them anymore. So we got the cane toad, bit of a pest, so they can play a tagging role. Think Ryan Crowley. Um, think uh, Andrew Carrasso, those types of uh, enigmas that um, that like to play the shutdown role. Um, so who'd you have? Yeah, the the shark. Well, good luck running away from the canto, <laughs> silly boy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think our, our tags do have potential to be moved around, and you can shuffle the magnets a, mm. a bit around around the board because I think it heavily depends on how the other team and how how our oppositions are lining up. Uh, but moving on to my back line, um, look, again, I've got a bit of a pattern here on my uh, my flanks and my wings of using the same 
the same animal, and I, I think yeah. it's good because it's not it's not an individual game. It's all about the team. And I had the thoroughbred horse on the half forward flank, but on the half back flanks on both of them. I've got the Arabian horse. And look, it's not Ooh. quite as quick as, as your thoroughbred, but it's noted for its intelligence, firstly, off halfback. So it's not going to make any disposable errors or anything like that. And it's got the endurance as well. It can just run and run and run all day um, in the, the Gobi Desert or <laughs> is that even in the Arabian part of the world? I don't know. But in, in Arabia, <laughs> they're just prancing, not quite prancing, running with intent uh, across the desert, and they do not stop, Hamish. They do not stop all day. They don't need to be taken off. You're really struggling to sum up the uh, – summarise the strengths of the Arabian horse here. I'm not even sure uh, whether you're uh, confident of their selection. <laughs> I, I am, but that, that's why I've got an interchange bench. If they do need to be taken off, if they're not playing their well quite well enough, I do – expect they will do that but if they're not quite working tactically on the day i've got a strong strong bench uh at at center half back i just don't think you're getting past this boy uh the blue whale uh i I can't i can't see that like i think marlon and dory were successful in finding nemo and getting out of a whale but it's a very very rare event to get get past the blue whale well we won't play past him we'll play through him um (laughs) as marlon and dory uh, showed you can certainly play through him, and that's what we'll do yeah. every time because I don't. Is smarts not the best and ferocious? It's not a word I associate with the blue whale. They eat a lot of plankton. Um, so serious question marks, Pestinger over your side. But they're they're uh, so my, respected though. Like think about that. The uh, think about the stigma around whaling. No one wants to touch them. And uh, yeah, they're, they're, Hands off, hands off the whales. It's enshrined in international law. You, you can't lay a finger on them, Matt. Well, speaking of can't lay a finger on, my first forward flanker, the dolphin, is perhaps the most protected species on the planet. If you even think <laughs> about touching a dolphin, if you even think about it, that is sacrosanct. That is, that is out for eight weeks. That is it's blasphemy, it's deplorable, it's a whole range of words. You just don't go near him. And the Dolphin as a player, I mean, speaking of X Factor, speaking of footy smarts, thinking of, like, crowd favourites, the Dolphin is everything and more. Um, perhaps a Jordan Degoe, but without the bad record. is that That's yeah. how I look at a, a Dolphin. Um, just a favourite player. And on the other forward flank, I've got, I've got the Kangaroo. Um, so, hello, highlight reel. Um, I'm talking... <laughs> Spectacular speckies, uh, the reference to last week. Um, and what else he provides, he, he flies the flag for his teammates. I mean, any time there's punch-ons of the sort, you know who's going to be first in there to to ruffle a few feathers. Uh, it's the kangaroo. And at uh, centre-half forward, I've got Farlap. Um, Specific? <laughs> for similar reasons, but I've, I've, I've just gone to the top of the chain for thoroughbred horses. Don't worry about their, your regular thoroughbreds. I want Farlap. Um Talking about he's a stayer. He runs the 3.2 and the quickest time you'll ever see. Um, natural horsepower. <laughs> and, and he's got a massive heart. We all know he's got ticker. Um, so what he provides for the team, it's it's more than just stats. It's it's committing himself to every contest, running all day, and just, I mean, crowd favourites across the park, but Farlap would be, he'd be right up there. But my, my question for you on that, Hamish, does a, a 1920s and 1930s, Horse, um, are they cut out for the modern game? 
I don't know too much about horse racing, but I'm just going to say yes because it's Farlap and it's like saying would Don Bradford be any good in the modern day game? Um, I think he would adapt. Maybe he wouldn't have the 99.94 record. He might average something like 60, but I think he'd still be pretty bloody good. Mm. Yeah, I do agree. Not not your hundred goal season type, like he may have been in the nineteen twenties for lap, but no. uh, I think he'd do a good job against more my, a, more uh, of a my Arabian horse. <laughs> yeah, uh, but my my fullback line. Um, so in my back pocket, uh, I've got the Southern Castle Warrior. Uh, a look, it, it can mm. can be a bit shy, but it is a bloody scary bird. Hamish, uh, seen in the tropics, so I think it would uh, suit very well to a uh, Gold Coast Suns or something like that. It's a nice, nice hot weather uh, up there. Um, and my, my other back pocket, uh, I've got the Cougar or, or the Mountain Lion. Um, well, it holds the record for having the most names of any animal uh, in the kingdom, uh, and it can jump higher than any other mammal, uh, eight, eight metres, uh, can run up to <clears throat> 80 kilometres per hour. Uh, I just think when you're covering all bases like, like a cougar is and you've got that ferocity, whoever you've got in your forward pocket, mate, it's not getting over the uh, mountain line. And um, look, look my, my full back is actually a predator of a cougar, so I don't know how that team dynamic's going to work. Hopefully they get on and maybe some team bonding sessions. Uh, they send them to Adelaide's camp, um, but oh, I've got the grizzly bear at, at fullback. Yeah, it's a it's a fearsome it's a fearsome backline. I'll give you that. Um, perhaps we might have to move the cane toad onto the cassowary at some stage just to lock him down because I'm very scared of the cassowary. And it'd be good to see the two uh, <laughs> the two players from the North Queensland Northern Territory Footy Factory go head to head at some stage during the game. So yeah, um, that'd be good. Um, now, my forward line, I've thought about this a di- bit differently to yours, and looking at it now, I actually think we match up quite well. Not pure strength. It's not a like-for-like, like, but I've gone the chameleon in the forward pocket. Um, you can have your mountain line. You, they can be as good. They can be as quick. They can be as tall or athletic or fast as you want, but at the end of the day, if you can't see where your opponent is on the field, then you've got absolutely no chance of locking him down. So, True. Um, Chameleon's uh, very much a Josh Jenkins type. Um, you won't see him all day, but at the end of the day, you'll look at the scoreboard and he will have kicked six goals, mostly from within 15 metres of, <laughs> of the square. So uh, he'll be handy for us. Um, I've got the hippopotamus at full forward, very much a traditional country footy type operator. Um, won't move too much from the square, but put it on his head. He's quick off the mark. Probably doesn't have the endurance base, but very quick off the mark. So mm-hmm. good luck trying to stop a short, powerful lead from the hippo. And, yeah. and strength. It's strength in spades. So uh, that's my full forward. And then um, <laughs> uh, uh, my other forward pocket, I've got the octopus. Um, obviously leaves a trail of murky destruction and... Yep. I, I, I think they play with heart. You know, yeah. eight, eight hearts, eight hearts. So um, very good. There's no doubting your selection. That's that's the worst joke I've ever, I've ever no, put you, forward you on the show. You do but. need that kind of you do need that kind of player. Oh, on, on the yeah, exactly right. But um, so, who have you got on your bench, actually, Hamish? I, I wonder because I, I think we stack up very evenly at the moment, person, and the bench could make or break it. Some influence uh, off there. Mm. Well, looking at your bench just now and then looking at mine, I think <laughs> it's not much comparison. So 
the orca somehow, God forbid, goes down while the great white shark comes in. So you got the number one two players in the in the ocean world just to interchange together. Um, got the Komodo dragon. Um, have you ever seen that video of the Komodo dragon running away from about seventy thousand snakes on an island and it just escapes them all? Unbelievable. Yep. Go and look it up if you haven't. It's like Collingwood um, in the water, isn't it? Oh, it's crazy. And and biting power too. So yep. very versatile. Um, the Tassie Devil, speaking of biting power, the strongest bite on earth. Um, <laughs> so I don't know how we can utilise that. Um, he's no Luis Suarez, but maybe if the game goes sour, we can, you know, play some dirty tactics and send him out there to your best player and uh, maybe inflict a couple of bites. Um, and then for my last bench spot, um, this is more of a, uh, a, a, not a performance-based selection, more of a maybe an Ed Kerno-type selection. I've gone the, the Galapagos giant tortoise. Um, think, think durability, think uh, loyalty to your club, and just think, you know, you could get 300 years of service out of him and nothing would phase him. He's hard as a rock and... That's why I think he's he's good for morale. So that's all I've yeah. got on my last bench spot. Yeah, I think that fits the journeyman tag quite quite well. Mm, and, uh, I absolutely, think he, he, w- he wouldn't be racking up too many games. But he's, he's good to have around. Um, yeah, yeah. But on my bench, I've got a kind of running theme here because I I think my uh, individuals uh, in in the eighteen. Uh, are very, very good. And I'd be surprised if I, I need to unleash anything off the interchange. Um, so I haven't got any like-for-like like changes coming off here, but my my general theme is uh, my spread is of disease because in case of an emergency, uh, one pounce from any of these guys and your whole team's wiped out. So first up, I've got the wild macaque, uh, who, as stated by the, the Daily Mail, uh, is one of the biggest super spreaders of disease in the animal kingdom. And uh, then I've also got the rat, you may know from the uh, the bubonic plague of the Middle Ages, um, and mm. also the, the infamous bat. Uh, and f- <laughs> finally, um, look, oh, I'm... I've got this pretty loose. I'm happy to draft anyone uh, who comes under this particular category, but a, sh- a stray dog of any variety I think would be very good. And, uh, yeah, he'd, he'd make the fans rabid, uh, but also make mm. your team rabid. And I think that's a very, very good thing for my 22. It's an interesting tactic and one I haven't thought about, so it's a credit to you, but I think we just have too much firepower Um I think we'll win before you get a chance to spread any diseases. So I'll back us there. And I think one other thing I'll get the edge in, you didn't pick a tactical or medical sub. I did. I've gone the Megalodon. Um, well, you'll need it when we're the not disease sure. gets spread. Well, we're not sure if he exists or not. Um, but, I mean, I want him on the side on paper just in case he does. I mean, that would be a massive addition. And if he is, we'll bring him on straight away. Um so I think there's certainly certainly can be made for the megalodon if if he's alive. So um, <laughs> I back I back us I back us. <laughs> well, I back us, and to uh, decide on who you back, uh, you can go to our socials at Dictionary HQ and uh, and vote 
on whose team you think we'll win. We'll, we'll put something up for each of our teams if you forget. Um, but, yeah, I enjoyed that very much. <laughs> I wasn't sure how that signal yeah. was going to go, but I rated it very, very high. <laughs> yeah, it was good. I think it was pretty obvious who won, but um, it was, yeah, we should do that again sometime. <laughs> yes, a, a, a good segment that uh, I think we should do again sometime. And speaking of doing uh, segments often, it's time for this. And I think it's going to be a long, long time Till I'm regularly seen in the forward line I'm not a man who lets the breath run low Oh, no, no, no I'm a journeyman Journeyman Playing service to footy at a multitude of clubs Now... Hamish, I've got no uh, giant tortoise for you or anything like that. It's just a quick one this week, but someone bobbed up for me who just came back into my memory. And his name, see if this rings any bells, Jonathan Simpkin. What a beauty. What a beauty. (laughs) Let me tell you about Jonathan, Hamish. Uh, So, four clubs, four clubs, and the first club, Sydney, Two seasons there, zero games, which I really, really liked. He was drafted number 16 in the rookie draft in 2006, which just screams journeyman. And then four seasons in country footy for Colac uh, before he went to Geelong. Four games there, then 33 games at Hawthorne over three seasons, and then four games at Essendon as a top-up player. And he has, he's got some honours. Uh, he's uh, won a, a premiership in the AFL. As a sub, which I think a premiership would have absolutely counted him out in other, uh, any other circumstance. But he came on a sub, wore the uh, green vest, which I think perfectly suits his title of a journeyman, and a back-to-back VFL premiership player, 2012-2013, uh, for different clubs. 2013, won a VFL premiership and then an AFL premiership the next week. If that doesn't scream journeyman... <clears throat> I don't know what does, Hamish. Jonathan Simpkin, he might be num- my number one of all time now. He's shot right up there into contention. That's actually incredible. I, I vaguely remember him at Hawthorne during the, the premiership years, but I had no idea that he was at Sydney and then yeah. Colac and then Geelong. That is that's, – oh, that's, that's the essence of football. That's, that's a is. man that's, you know, he's just a happy-go-lucky bloke. Um, I don't know. I couldn't really comment on that, but he's he's done incredible things for forty-one games and spread out across four clubs, one of which he's played no games at, and then country footy in between and a premiership as a sub. That's beautiful. Premiership player Jonathan Simpkin from forty-one games. It's so it's so good. It's so good. And he played for Sydney, Geelong, and Hawthorne. Successful teams in their eras as well. It's just such a good thing. And uh, yeah, happy go lucky play. <laughs> Maybe one day we can get him on the show. That would be a great, great thing. So Jonathan Simpkin, if you're tuning in, uh, give, give, give us a yell, and we'd very much like to get you on the show. But Hamish, we're quickly running out of time. Uh, let, let's move on to another definition, another dubious call. Uh, usually, these guys are. Pretty good at get, getting footy language right. It's footyology and it's Rowan Connolly. Collingwood, the MCG. Well, we speak about fortresses. We don't often speak about the MCG as a fortress for teams, but it is for the Pies. They have won 15 of their last 16 appearances on the G. Um, or do they play anywhere else, the sceptics would suggest. <laughs> Maybe they would suggest that, but I'm sceptical about something else, <laughs> Rowan. I don't think the MCG can ever be called a fortress. No, nah, uh, yeah, I agree with you. 
there's too many teams to play there. It's you can't have mm. a fortress and divide it up into uh, well nine eight teams depending on whether you want to include Geelong and oh North Melbourne and all those teams. But yeah, there's you can't. It's just I, I too many teams. That it's it's more coliseum like. And it's just like the pure structure. Oh. It's too big. Like um, I think right. Adelaide Oval is a, a good fortress or Marvel Stadium or uh, something like that, or the Gabba even because it's a bit more intimate. Um, but, uh, the, yeah, I just think it's, it's far, far is too it? big. That's worthy of discussion. What, what, sort of, what do the grounds look like in terms of, uh, well, for instance, Marvel Stadium, you might consider it to look like a bomb shelter or uh, the Adelaide Oval with its U-shaped um, stands. That might look like a, I don't know, war formation. You could be charging at the enemy over the Torrance River. I don't know. You've got me going off on a tangent. Um, I don't mind being of- as a palace, but not in the, like, uh, very successful on the ground, just in, in terms of, yeah, the, the shape and the history of it, the, the palace of footy. Yeah, maybe. Coliseum just works so well in that instance. It does, it does. Because it is. Number yeah, one. It, it's, it makes so much sense. Um, back to the Adelaide Oval. Can the Adelaide Oval be a fortress for Adelaide or Port Adelaide when they share the rights to the grounds or share hosting the ground with the other side? Oh, that's, good. that's a good question. I think it can be. Famously, it was called the Portress um, in its, its early years uh, as a home ground for Port Adelaide. So... Uh, look, they only play each other there twice a year. Um, yeah, uh, I wouldn't uh, refer to it like I don't think it works quite as well as a Gabba, um, but mm. it, it it does the job. I think, but I think Gabba is absolutely the number one, especially in the current season's context. Yeah, but then again, is it is it too obvious a call to name a home ground a fortress for a side? For instance, Geelong down at mm. uh, Alphabet Stadium. There, <laughs> it's almost too obvious to describe it. Kidinia Park as a fortress because it's just so well known that they've got a positive winning record there and it's their home, sole home ground, so as they should. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with that. But we are quickly, quickly running out of time here on the Footy Dictionary. Thanks to everyone for tuning in, but it's time to move on to what I think the entire footy public has been waiting for, what I've been waiting for, certainly what Hamish has been waiting for. Hopefully, Hamish, what have you got? Well, this is a big one, isn't it? We've uh, waited a long time for this and you've hyped it up uh, pre-show, so uh, I'm prepared to let everyone down with this beautiful segment, but I've gone and (laughs) set the definitive rankings of AFL Stadium Sirens. Harper, I'm not sure if this is something you've looked into, but I just want to give a quick uh, little plug to the YouTube page Football Sirens, where (laughs) I've got most of the audio for this from. I didn't know that someone else would be um, so into the subject as perhaps I've become over the last week, but um, <laughs> I think 1.12k subscribers would suggest otherwise. So credit to them. To, to credit to them. And I've got for you, Harper, I've got my five worst and five best stadium sirens. So I'll start off with the worst and then we'll get into the, the best ones. Um, I've lumped Optus Stadium and the Gabba and... Uh, as one, and you could include a lot of stadiums in this one, but if you could just play these quickly. Now, my gripe with these ones is it's there's just no originality. They've gone for the MCG 
um, sound effect and just copied and pasted it and used it on their stadiums. Um, there's a lot of grounds out there that do the same. Just be better. Um, how about come up with something original? So uh, not a fan. Number four. Now, <laughs> it's a little-known stadium called Riverway Stadium up in Townsville. Oh, that is horrible. What is that? <laughs> what are you doing to our ears, Townsville? That's like they, they, slumped, they put five sounds together and just gone, <laughs> we'll make a whole cacophony of noise and, and put it together <laughs> and make it a siren. So, it sounds like they put a, a toaster <laughs> in a blender. It, it's, it's not oh, good. It, you shouldn't be doing that. It's, it's something along those lines. It's terrible. <laughs> um, number three, and I hate to pick uh, the Skipton Football Club from... Uh, near Ballarat, a part here, but they've used a siren that it, it's common in um, local footy grounds, but it's so uninspiring and it's so far from being football related that I never want to hear it again. So the Skipton Recreation Ground, please. Duck for cover. Harper, do, do, you, do you enjoy that as a siren? No, it is. It torments my ears and will that it's haunting, really. It's it's real. Like uh, uh, I feel like I'm about to get bombed. Yeah. Well, if that's bad, then wait till you, till my number one. Um, but number two, I've got the Pedler Reserve in Seaton, South Australia. Now, I'm not sure about the general um, population and where they sit on the uh, socio-economic line over there in SA, but um, perhaps. For the locals, and they hear this song, they, they get a li- little bit worried that their car's been broken into. <laughs> Imagine winning a grand final and that noise just rings through your ears. That would suck. That's no good. Very uh, anticlimactic, I think that would be. But I hope number one's not anticlimactic, Camish. Well, no, this is oh, by far the worst, I think. It is number one and by a long shot. I've got the Gardens Oval Siren in Darwin, Northern Territory. Um, if you could play this first, Harper, that would be lovely. Oh. I said uh, play it first, that would be lovely. It's not lovely. It, no. it reminds me it's anything of 20, 2013 when I've set my alarm on my iPod Touch. And it's just gone off at 6 a.m. in the morning. Uh-huh. It's oh, it's the worst noise known to man. And furthermore, it, it could be anything. Like, are we are we at war? I mean, <laughs> has there been a workplace-related injury at a car manufacturing line? What's going on? <laughs> Don't know what's going on there at Gardens Oval, but a very, very, it's a very uh, deserving loser for <laughs> worst sirens in Australia, Australian uh, football. But yeah, your best. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Let's, let's end yeah. the show on a good note with the best sirens in Australian rules football. It's a, it's a nice change of tune. So it is. Um, these are, these are, there's two in here that aren't current, but um, I think perhaps half the appeal of them is that they're very nostalgic. So at number five, I've got the Subiaco or Domain Stadium siren from Perth. Good. I like it because it's different and it evokes so many memories of games over there. Harper? Yep, I, I, I very much agree. And it's such an it's, it's iconic. Like, I hear that and it could be nowhere else unless uh, someone's I, trying to pull a Gabba Optus Stadium and copy it. It's just so it's, – it's, 
unique. It's unique to Subi Oval, and it just reminds me of uh, Aaron Sanderlands um, and uh, th- those types in Quinton Lynch. Mm. Oh, <laughs> Quinton Lynch, oh, I agree. Um, I think that's what makes a good siren. It's it's got to be iconic and it's got to be unique. So that's it's the be parameters of yeah, that's the parameters of which I've um, judged these sirens on. Um, so on that note, number four, this might be a little bit controversial, um, but I've gone Marvel Stadium. <laughs> uh, I can see your your face screwing up at that, but I, no, you know, I don't dislike it, it but. Num- number four, I'm not sure. I, I definitely prefer Sue. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I-, I just think, what I think about it, it's perfect for its location. Docklands, you think harbour, you think ships. And it's, I don't know whether it's just a placebo effect that I'm thinking about it too much, but I feel like it's got this, you know, shipping tone yeah. or, you know, sense that's about it. I-, I think it's, it suits the stadium well. I think it fits it perfectly. So uh, that's why I've got it at four. And you've got um, my, at three? Yes, my number three, um, Adelaide, congratulations. You've got two in my top three. I'm sure they'll be um, so close with that. Um, the Adelaide Oval, um, please play. Really rings out that one. Oh, now, what, yeah, what I love about this one is that Second reverberation of the siren yeah. to really just drive it home. I, I love it. I love hearing it at games, and it really builds up that big game atmosphere. I think it, it sounds powerful, and that's what you need—a powerful siren sound in the city of churches. Absolutely. And uh, on Adelaide, of all, actually, I've dug up uh, something from the archives here. This is from a Nine News uh, YouTube video, Nine News Adelaide YouTube video, more specifically, from 2014 after the uh, infamous, I think, it was Josh Jenkins running to kick a goal. The siren should have sounded, sounded, but uh, the umpires didn't hear it. And this is a siren saga. If we can open up a whole debate about whether this is a saga, but the, uh, it's called Siren Saga, uploaded by Nine News Adelaide. Adelaide Oval Siren is the loudest in the country, registered at 105 decibels, 10 higher than the AFL standard. The Stadium Management Authority is hesitant to increase the volume any further. I would be very concerned to put it up over 105 dBA because then what we don't want to do is have it so loud that it actually causes hearing damage. No, you, you would not want that. That was Andrew, <laughs> Andrew Daniels from the Stadium Management Authority and Jack Bacata reporting there. And it's good to really know the, the, the decibel level of some of these signs. And the Adelaide Oval is, in fact, the loudest in the league. I'll, I'll note that down and not forget it. Well, there you go. It just proves our hypothesis. And... Um Number two is another Adelaide local, um, the former football park slash Amy Stadium. Now, this one could also be uh, caused some deferring opinions because it's 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 out there. It's certainly out there, but it's again similar to Domain. It's so nostalgic. That's unbelievable, and it's oh. <laughs> that that paints a picture in my mind of a train going past uh, Alphabet Stadium in, in Geelong. Uh, <laughs> it, it is, it's a good sound, but uh, so, uh, some blurred lines perhaps with that in a locomotive. It certainly it does have some uh, train connotations, but when I hear it, there's no other. Now, we'll put it this way. When I hear a train these days, I think Amy Stadium, not the other way around. So 
Um, mm. that's, that's what that siren has done for me. Um, <laughs> it's beautiful and I miss it. Um, now my, <laughs> I'm excited for number my one. My number one. Oh, well, at least one. And it's, you know, you can come at me with the Victorian bias claims, whatever you want, but um, it's it's the best for a reason. Um, at first, I'll start off with the uh, honourable mention of the old MCG siren from 2012. It's beautiful. It brings back a lot of memories, and it reminds me of the AFL intro. You know, when they, you watch a video on YouTube and they have mm. the siren sound in there? That, yep. I think it's that siren that they use. Um, very powerful, but number one is the current MCG siren. How good does it sound? Oh, bliss. We, we talk about the palace and the Colosseum and that noise is so befitting of it. Mm. I can't describe how good it is. It, it just sums up everything you want in a siren. It's, it's powerful. The decibels are high. It's, it's an iconic noise and it's different from anything else you hear aside from ones that copy it. Um, it just doesn't get any better in a siren. And uh, I think as Ed Sheeran can attest to, the uh, acoustics and the reverberation of the MCG is just oh. like nothing else. And the, the bowl that it just swirls around, it is such a good thing. And look, may, maybe the siren community will come out and whack us for being, well, whack you for mm. being a bit Vic biased here. Vic biased. Um, but, no, I think that is an absolute befitting winner of number one, and it's hard to disagree with most of those rankings. Yeah, thank you. Well, I, I did start off by saying that it was an AFL stadium ranking, and then I went straight to uh, Riverway Stadium, skipped in Pender <laughs> Reserve and the Gardens yeah. over Siren from Darwin. So um, maybe the, <laughs> the criteria for the Siren wasn't as clear as it could have been, but um, <laughs> we might have to revisit in a few weeks and see if we've uh, come up with a better Siren. Perhaps if you've got a, a more interesting sign than the ones we've provided, get in touch with us and um, maybe send us a little clip. At Dictionary HQ on uh, Twitter and Instagram. That's the one. Talk and Reddit or uh, the Footy Dictionary or Footy Dictionary at gmail.com rather. Footy Dictionary at gmail.com. Send your clips through there. We'd appreciate that very much. But, geez, this has been a good show, hasn't We've crammed in a lot of stuff. So, Hamish, thank you very much. Oh, yeah. No, that's why they pay you the big bucks, Harper. When I struggle for words, you come in and and just take it away. So thank you, um, and thanks, everyone, whoever you may be, for listening. So, uh, yeah, it's good fun. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Catch up uh, on your favourite podcast app. We're at the Footy Dictionary here on Sin, at Sin Media. Check them out. And at Dictionary HQ, I've been Harper Pestinger. That was Amos O'Brien. Connor Buttigieg will be back next week. But in the meantime, up next, coming up right now, is the Sports Desk.